Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Real Live Talk, and uh, for real, thank you for being here. I, I always appreciate you stopping by, and uh, I really pray that the content blesses you, or challenges you, or encourages you in some way. And my guest for this conversation was Wendy Lou Lee. Wendy is a follower of Jesus, a former child actor, brain surgery survivor, and author of A Prairie Devotional. She played Baby Grace for four seasons on the extremely, extremely popular television show Little House on the Prairie, which still has an incredible following to this day. And uh, all these years later, she authored a prairie devotional. She has a powerful story to share of God's grace. Back in 2015, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor that really changed the purpose and direction of her life. Her surgery and recovery led her to a newfound freedom of sharing her story of God's goodness through even life's most difficult circumstances. In this podcast episode, we really talk about all that. We spend some time reminiscing about her days on the show, really as a as a very, very young child on Little House on the Prairie, but how being a part of that and just the culture of the family values and, and how all of that has really shaped her life and her family and her ministry and all kinds of stuff. We talk about the challenging experience of, of just going through that, that period of time where she was diagnosed with that brain tumor and just walking with the Lord through that process of healing and recovery and how out of that was birthed this uh, devotional, a prairie devotional that she wrote and how God has just been so good and so faithful. I really think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. It was a fun time. It was a really great just to get to know Wendy during this podcast episode. So yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Hope you enjoy it. Wendy, thanks so much for being here. Yes, thank you. Glad to be here with you. Yeah, I'm pumped to. Uh, we just met like eight minutes ago, so <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm pumped to get to know you a little bit and to ask you some questions. And just before we jump into it, if you would just share a little bit about yourself, about who you are, and uh, what you do. Well, my name's Wendy, and I was Baby Grace on Little House on the Prairie. That's like my Come kind on. of thing. Claim to fame. Claim to fame, but really, you have to realize that I was four years old when the show was over. So it was a long, long time ago. But it's so cool that this thing that happened so long ago has come back into my life amazingly. And that is probably the neatest thing is that I am more baby grace now than I was when I was on the show. <laughs> so I'm married. I got two kids, teenagers, and I hang out with little house fans. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that was one of the things that I was interested in talking to you about, and we've got plenty to talk about as we go through here, but, but, uh, let's kind of reminisce a little bit about, uh, little house on the prairie days. I know you were, uh, super young. Well, how old were you when you first got hired to, uh, to be on the show? Like probably, a baby, you were a baby, baby, right? <laughs> probably six months old. Yeah. Wow. Um, the first episode, we were eight months old, so it probably took a couple months for them to, you know, start shooting. Um, it was a fluke. My grandmother was friends with a casting director, Sue McCray, and they were having lunch one day. And what do you talk about in the seventies? But Little House, and right. they could not find a baby Grace. I mean, I don't know what other six-month-old twins are, you know, flashing their picture to agents. We weren't <laughs> and, um, blonde hair, blue eyes. My grandma said, what about my granddaughters? <laughs> and one picture we were hired. So wow. that's it. So explain the, uh, explain the twin thing and how the, and how that works in television in general, I guess. Uh, but explain why it was, why it is that they were looking for twins and you know, how that, how that came about. Yes, child labor laws are really tough and making a TV show takes a lot of time. So um, <laughs> by using twins, they can double their hours. When we were first on the show, so I think it's from maybe two and a half or three and under, you have four hours that you can work. Two hours are in the dressing room and two hours are actually on set. So two hours goes by really, really fast. <laughs> so when you do a twin, when you have wow. twins, you get four hours on set instead of two. And even four hours is not enough. So they, 
you know, plan all of the scenes that are going to be with the youngest children all squashed together because they just can't work very long. So Little House was one of the first TV shows that started doing this. Um, they had three sets of twins on the show. And some people think that like Mary Kate and Ashley were like the first twins, but they right. weren't. <laughs> there were three sets before Mary Kate and Ashley ever, you know, got on television. So, um, well, so were you, were, were you the first, you weren't the first. No, were you? um, Carrie Ingalls, she was our big sister, you know, just one stair step above us was Carrie and, um, Robin and Rachel, um, Greenbush played the role of Carrie, but they were twins also. And a lot of people don't know that. So. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. I don't think I knew that till just now. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. So at what point, so you were, um, like six months old, eight months old when, when basically the, the, you were in the first episode and then you were with the show for four years, correct? Yeah. Four seasons, four seasons, excuse me. Yeah. So then you were, were you four, were you three, four and a half, basically yeah, when you're, four, 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 four and, and a half, half like almost five. When the career, when the, uh, well, the, the, that, that portion of your career with uh, little house on the prairie ended, yeah. um, was there any consideration to continue to be a child actor after that point? Or was that just kind of like a clean break? It was good for the time and it was over. What, what was that like for you and for your family? Well, we did have an agent our last season on little house and we thought maybe we were going to go on and we had this is kind of a funny story, but we, um, had a audition for a McDonald's commercial right after little house. And, okay. um, the funniest thing is, is that it was supposed to be us sitting with Ronald McDonald's and my sister and I had never eaten at McDonald's before. <laughs> Can you imagine? We'd never eaten at McDonald's before. We had no idea who this red haired you? clown even yeah. was. <laughs> and so we were kind of like, we didn't get that role, obviously. <laughs> They're like, uh, Bob, they don't know who Ronald McDonald is. Uh, I don't know what to we do can't here. Be, we can't be excited about the clown, you know? So we did that That's one crazy. audition. And then we had one other that we actually got the role. And it was for a bank doing telephone banking when telephone banking wasn't even a thing. So we did get that role. We did one day shoot of this commercial and while we thought it was super fun because we got to dress up like little cowgirls, my mom not so much thought it was fun because they mm. don't actually have to obey child labor laws when you're on a commercial for some reason. It's so wow. it was, you know, early morning to the late night and they didn't know wow. our names. They didn't care if we're hungry or tired. And my mom was like, these girls like need to go to kindergarten. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. after that one commercial, she fired the agent and we went to kindergarten and we became normal kids normal and kids. that's it. We were just fans of little house that got to say, Oh yeah, we were on that show. But that was it. We basically wow. fell off the Hollywood radar. Wow. Um, I wonder, I wonder if uh, the reasoning there is because commercials are shorter or because they're a one-time thing maybe, or, you know, some, maybe that's why they don't have to, adhere to the same laws because not that they're always a one-time thing, but you know, it's not like a constant ongoing, I guess it, maybe it's not as easy to exploit as it could be if you were a regular on a show or something like that. But, but, uh, so your, your mom kind of saw a little bit of a maybe toxic culture or something like that. And then just decided, no, like, I'm not going to put my, my girls through this. And, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And my mom had just, um, had just remarried cause my dad kind of was out of the picture when we were little. So she had just remarried. She just had another baby. It was like, she was like, we just need to be a normal family. So she just made that decision. And a lot of people are like, Oh, are you so mad that your mom did that? And I was like, no, she made the best decision that she could for us. And wow. we didn't end up crazy. So I think it's probably good. You know, we, <laughs> we were so little, um, it, could have been a really hard, hard road life for us. So it was good. Yeah, I was actually, I'm glad you said that because I, I I was curious about that. I, you know, unfortunately, a lot of child actors don't make it out. You know, a lot of them don't, or they don't make it out in one piece. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, so looking back, are you grateful 
then that your mom essentially made that decision when she did? Or do you kind of have, did you ever have any kind of level of disappointment where you were like, oh, maybe, what if we did it for a little bit longer or, you know, that kind of thing? Or I mean, it would have been fun if it could have paid for our college. <laughs> <laughs> I was paying, you know, school loans forever. Sure, <laughs> so that would sure, have been sure. nice. But, you know, yeah. we just, we didn't really, we, yeah, we just didn't have, and we were so little, like the, the, um, royalty laws, there were no, there were no, um, like reruns, like it was so different. The contracts were so different. We really were helping our family survive. My mom was a single mom with three girls and our paychecks wow. really just provided for us to live. And so it was like a godsend, like a total blessing that wow. we just got, you know, dropped, dropped into our laps. And so we just had to see it as that. And kind yeah. of let go of what you would normally think you're on TV and what the perks would be. <laughs> well, serious props to your mom for real, for making that decision to do what she felt like was in your best interest when, you know, this door was potentially open for, you know, to keep riding that gravy train, <laughs> you know what I mean? And to, and to keep it going props to your mom for, you know, mm -hmm. just kind of having that foresight and to say, no, like I, I don't want my daughter's, um, in this world and making that decision. And obviously you've turned out okay. So, <laughs> so that's cool. Um, so were, did you remain connected to the show um, as a four and a half year old coming off the show? Like, did you remain connected to Little House in terms of, were you a fan at, from that age or did that kind of come back around later on in life? Oh, I, we were total fans. I mean, I remember yeah. watching the show when we were on the show and then I remember being in first, second, third grade and like racing home from school and getting my homework done so that wow. I could watch Little House at four o'clock, like right after the love boat. <laughs> wow. So yeah, no, we grew up, our family, our, we were Little House junkies. I mean, for sure. And if we were on the episode, oh my goodness, <laughs> how fun, you know? So yeah, yeah I, I watched the show, you know, since I was before I watched television, you know, as long as I've been watching mm. television. So, wow. Yeah, no, that's gotta be so cool. It's gotta be such a cool, uh, such a cool dynamic. Um, have you all, or, or did you, I know this was, man, that was the, the show aired from between the, was it late seventies, early eighties or 74 it? to oh, okay. yeah. 74 was Earlier the, um, the first episode, you know, but we weren't on it until, um, 78. So we were okay. kind of 78 to 82 or so somewhere around there. Wow. Yeah. Um, did, did you all, was there any kind of like camaraderie or did you all maintain contact and friendships and things like that with anybody from the show? I mean, I know that you guys were, were the youngest ones on the show for sure, but, uh, was there anything like that as far as family connections and, and things that you, uh, maintained relationships with anybody from, from back then? Okay. So it's kind of crazy, but we left the show and we had no contact with anybody. Wow. Um, none except for my grandmother who was still friends with the casting director and her husband. So Sue McRae was married to the executive producer, Kent McRae. Okay. And so when we were in sixth grade, we went on the set of highway to heaven and visited Michael. And that was the only interaction that we had. So we didn't go to any of the parties or reunions or anything, we had moved away from Southern California and we just really had no contact at all until, um, 2004, I was eight months pregnant and we got invited to go to a little house reunion and we met everyone oh, for cool. the first time. Like, well, you know, yeah, that I right. remember as, as, really. Yeah. And yeah, I was a, adult, so yeah. big and so pregnant. And the first thing that happened when I walked in is Nellie Olson, Allison Ingram said, oh my goodness, baby Grace is having a baby. <laughs> and it was like, everyone was like, wait a minute. The last time we saw you, you were five and you're having a baby. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was just like unheard of. So we got to see everybody again. And it was the start of this kind of incredible awakening for us because then we started traveling with the cast and going to reunions and going oh, all cool. over the country and, you know, signing autographs and meeting fans. And it was like, is this for real? Like, this is so yeah. outrageously unexpected, you know? 
So yeah, no contact whatsoever. And then all of a sudden we're like part of the family again. So wow. how incredibly awesome. That's all I have to say. Like, no, that's so cool. Dream. That, like it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And, and, uh, to your point, it's seems like little house on the prairie has maintained a really incredible following after all these years. And you guys still have some really diehard fans, like a lot of diehard fans and people that are still really into it. We're talking about a show that aired in the seventies and uh, that was about, you know, what, like the 18, late 1800s kind of a thing. Like it's set, set in a much, you know, simpler time. And we're talking about, you know, something that has for some reason somehow managed to maintain its, its relevance. Um, I was just looking that you guys, um, all nine seasons are on Peacock and, uh, <laughs> on the, on the Peacock app and, um, uh, and I'm sure, you know, other places as well. A lot of people probably just own the the DVDs and all that kind of stuff. But it's really an incredible thing. What do you think has been uh, the main thing? Or maybe you're aware of several things. I don't know. But what do you think has been um, sort of that that thing or that factor that has caused it to remain so relevant and that has caused people to just continue to stay so connected to it after all these years? Yeah. <sighs> Simpler times, um, family values, I think love of God and others, like really it's like mm -hmm. love of God and love of your neighbor is so strong. Like, um, and you know, it's crazy because the, we are not just dealing with this group of fans that are, you know, now reaching their eighties and nineties. Like we have new fans. We have little girls that are watching it for the first time. We have moms that have been raised on it. And now their daughters are, I mean, it's, I mean, I can't tell you how many little 11 year old birthday party am I signing autographs for because they're having a little, you know, they're having a little house in the prairie birthday party. I mean, these we're growing new fans every year and COVID was probably one of the best things for the house in the prairie. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody wanted to slow down, you know, mm, and find yeah. just some very yeah. wholesome show that could make you feel good about everything. Yeah, <laughs> Even when you're going through hard times, you can feel life. okay about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and okay, so it it's a show again, set in the 1800s, uh, about a much simpler time. But some of the themes dealt with in the show and some of the things and, and uh, full disclosure, I'm not a uh, I did not grow up watching Little House on the Prairie. So I'm not I, I know I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I apologize. I just thought I should be honest, though. Um, <laughs> uh, of course, I always knew about it and I had friends that watched it and stuff like that. But I never really I didn't grow up on it. And so I'm not like the most well-versed person I have mm -hmm. seen some, you know, episodes, but, but I'm not the most, you know, well, well-versed person, but I do remember, um, I do remember an episode where there was a fire, um, at the school mm. spoiler alert. This is like, how many years later is this 30 years or so? It's okay. It's not a spoiler. <laughs> but, <laughs> You're okay. But, uh, but there's a, uh, but there was a, a fire and, a baby died in the it fire. Is and gruesome. Like, it, it is the saddest episode tragic show. ever. Is it? It's yeah. so sad. And it's like really, I mean, pretty graphic, I would might say. Like, I mean, the yeah. lady is pounding like on the glass like, and it yeah, breaks and break her window. arm is bleeding and the baby, I mean, it's terrifying it's like yeah oh i was my like gosh. this show's from the 70s like that's crazy i know yeah they don't shy away from some really hard topics and i think as the seasons went along you could tell that the ratings needed a little more uh drama and so different topics were introduced strategically mm -hmm. so that they could get some people talking about it, some buzz. And Michael wasn't, he was brilliant. Um, and he wasn't afraid to go after some of those kind of hard topics. I mean, they talked about, um, abuse and 
drug yeah. addiction and rape. And I mean, there were a lot of things. And sometimes I'm like, don't watch that one. If you have kids under 12, please don't watch. let your little girl mm. watch that episode because yeah, it right. still terrifies me. Yeah. Trigger warnings for <laughs> but, sure. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So like, would you say, um, is there a moment in the show that you, that you look at that you're like, that was the most intense thing ever from, from the show? Like, or is it the one that we just talked about with the fire and, uh, and you know, all that happened there is, there, is there, is there, is it that, or is there another moment in the show that you kind of look at and you're like, yo, that was really, um, that was really intense. Is there anything in your mind like that? Um, I would probably say that episode is called may we make them proud. Um, the one with the blind school. And the thing is too, okay. that it was like Mary's baby that she, like she's blind. And it was just like the way they set it up. is just, Oh, and it was like the kids, wrench. right? It was like the, the, the kids accidentally started the fire. Yes. Um, her, like Albert accidentally started the fire and then he oh. blamed himself. And it was just like, Oh my gosh. So that was me. May, may oh. we make them proud. That was that episode. Yeah. And it's just heartbreaking because the everything about it, the lady who died with the baby was like Carolyn and Charles and Carolyn's best friends, like the wife, you know what I mean? And so then Mary loses her baby and then the best friend loses his wife. And it was just like, Oh, so that one's really big. But I would say the other one is the one with Albert and Sylvia and it's called Sylvia. Albert is the adopted son of Charles Ingalls and he falls in love and Sylvia is raped by this crazy clown faced it's freaky. Wow. So most people would say wow. that is the freakiest worst hmm. episode, like super intense. So those two, yeah. I mean, the fire one is just sad, you know what I mean? But the other one is like wow. disturbing. <laughs> it's really disturbing. I like do not watch that. <laughs> well, those are like really bold moves. Yeah. As far as writing goes to write things like that, you know, especially where you have a main character in the show who's been so affected by loss or by trauma, because now that's something that that person has to carry for the rest of the of the of the season, the rest of the series. You know what I mean? Like that's that's an intense thing. Or kind no? of, but not really, <laughs> because um, like it's so. <laughs> It's so funny that you said that because, um, so when Jonathan loses Alice in the fire, yes, because they have to move away and like, and then Albert loses his yeah, best friend. True. So they follow that. But amazingly, Albert, the next episode or two is in love with another girl. So I'm just, it's pretty okay. weird. He was asking, you know, like run away with her and marry her. And, and then all of a sudden, what happened to Sylvia? Re yeah. It looks like she died, but you wouldn't have just gotten over that the next day, you know? So some of the shows keep going and some of them stand all alone and you never hear okay. about Sylvia again. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I guess they, they figured out, they figured out some ways around some of those things. I, I, mm -hmm. I think about that when I see a show where they do that, where they make those moves and it's like, yo, that like this char the the characters around around that person that was killed or whatever, like they're different now for the rest of the thing. I think it's different, you know, depending on what kind of show you're watching. If it's if it's a, a show that's very, you know, brutal, like like some kind of war, you know, epic or Game of Thrones or something like that, where they're just killing everybody. That's that's a little bit different, I think. But like yeah. when it's, you know, especially in the family unit, when you're following this family and there's just constant. I mean, this is a show that's just got just constant tragedy and dealing with loss and these different things like that. Um, do you think that's something else that uh, kind of kept people coming back as much as it's like difficult to watch? But, you know, that they were willing to kind of take those those um those creative choices and to <laughs> to write those kinds of tragedies into the show i mean I, I think that people must be drawn to that you know that kind of stuff too right oh i think i think people resonate with that because if you haven't gone through it you know someone who has so every single episode you're thinking of oh that happened to me or that happened to my best friend or my grandma or my aunt and so it's yes it completely resonates with them um trouble joys and sorrows we all have them 
And um, Little House just captures that and then just shows us how, like almost guides us. How do you do this? How do you walk through it and still have faith and still believe in family and still go on, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's like this little guide in a very, uh, Hollywood ish way. <laughs> yeah. Cause it all kind of ends with this pretty little bow, you know? Sure. 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 Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so like with, with you, um, specifically in your life and you've alluded to this in, in some ways already, but how has the show both being on it and then just kind of growing up with it and watching the reruns and just kind of uh, being be, staying connected to it and the show being a part of your life as much as you are a part of the show? How has that like the in terms of the values and um, the, the things that come from that? How how has that it impacted your life, affected your life and and even, I guess, infiltrated its way, worked its way into um, you today as a mom and, you know, as a wife and, you know, with your family and stuff like that. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we grew up in a, in a religious, maybe you would say family. We went mm -hmm. to church. We were just like a family, just like the Ingalls family, like really like okay. the things that they did on that show we did. And so okay. I don't really know any different than that. Um, but growing up myself, like um, with my kids, like, I mean, my kids will laugh and say, you sound like Carolyn Ingalls right now. Stop it. <laughs> you know, like I quote yeah. her all the time because sometimes they just say it perfectly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, the elements of faith and family have completely infiltrated my life and, um, mm. has, it's, I don't know how you can really separate them, you know? Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, so fast forward now to just, uh, I think, uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, um, to the devotional that you wrote, um, a prairie devotional. Um, can you just talk a little bit about how that came about, how you decided to, to take on that writing project, how that was kind of birthed in your mind and in your heart and uh, just sort of the process of seeing that thing through uh, to its completion? Well, many, many years ago, um, we were watching Little House like we always did on Monday nights. <laughs> real quick, real quick. How many times do you think you've seen Little House like, like all the way through um, besides the, the clown episode that you skip? <laughs> I don't know. A lot, a lot. When my daughter was going into kindergarten, mm -hmm. um, we started watching it all the way through because that's kind of like Laura's first day of school. And it's this this cool thing. It really actually, if you have a daughter going to school for the first time, just start watching Little House on the Prairie because there's all of these things. There's the bully. There's the nervous about not being able to read. There's, there's all these little lessons that go through. And there's so many um, just, I don't know. It's so, it's perfect. It's relatable. Mm -hmm. It's so yeah. relatable. Yes. And so we started watching it when she was going to kindergarten. We watched it all the way through and I watched it on Monday nights at eight o'clock because that's when it aired. And so that's what we would do is Monday nights mm -hmm. at eight o'clock and they got to go to bed late because it was special. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I think it was one night after watching it and my husband, we got into bed and my husband said, you know what you should do? you should write a little house in the prairie devotional. That would be so cool. And I was like, huh? Yeah, hmm. that's a cool idea. Yeah. Maybe someone else will do it. <laughs> Maybe Honestly, else. because I just didn't have the confidence to do that. Mm. And then, um, Fast forward a couple years, and I know we may be talking about this later, but I went through a serious health scare and, yeah. um, that's when I started writing for the first time ever, besides like a term paper and a thank you note, like it never really, I wasn't a journaler. I just didn't write. Yeah. Um, and I started a blog about my experience and then all of a sudden I thought, I think I could do this. And so it was definitely my husband's idea originally. And then after all that happened, I just, I, I didn't see a reason not to. So 
Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and go into that now. Can you can you share a little bit about um, your experience with that and what you went through? Yes. Um, it was 2015, and I was experiencing terrible headaches and dizziness and mental confusion. And I was not well at all. And I wasn't well mm. for a long, long time. And, um, I think it was about six weeks of symptoms and my doctor didn't really take me seriously. <laughs> and, um, they finally did an, uh, brain MRI and I had a brain tumor. And so, mm. I found out and 11 days later I had surgery and it was benign. So that was awesome. Um, wow. it changed my whole life though. I mean, I, when you go through something like that and you know, you talk to your kids and you say, this is what's happening. And when they ask yeah. you, mom, are you going to die? And you say, I don't know. I hope mm. not, but I don't know. And wow. you go into surgery and you really don't know if you're going to open your eyes again. Or if you do, you don't know if you're going to be the same. Yeah. You don't know if you're going to be more of a burden to your family than if you would just die. Um, so it really changed wow. me. I, my life is completely different. I, everything I do is different since then. And that's very um, little house, Wendy. I know. Isn't that funny? <laughs> It's very little house. <laughs> Keep going. But um, I will say I woke up from surgery and I just had this like crazy new leash on life and was just like, okay, what do you want me to do? Like, God, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Yeah. And I knew that it was to live differently and to share my experiences and to be mm confident in who I am and started a lot of that started with writing and, um, really reaching out to little house fans. And like my ministry is to little house fans. What a weird ministry. That's all I have to say, but little house fans, like that, that's who I'm called to. And so anyone who loves little house, like that's what my life is all about now. So, um, I think that might be it. Is that a nutshell? Have you, have you, yeah, no, you're, yeah, yeah, okay. you're good. I, I, I've got some follow-up questions. Uh, one of them, cause I, I, uh, th this is like, I always ask this, um, when, when I think it's relevant, um, have you ever considered, and there might be other people already doing this, I don't know, but have you ever considered doing a little house podcast? <laughs> well, there are a few little house podcasts already. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, it would be just so much the same as those, like they go over an I episode yeah, sometimes, yeah. and I'll go on sometimes and guess and talk about them. Um, okay. what I do is I, I don't do a podcast. I guess it could be a podcast, but I really just do a live every week. And my kind of brand is called oh, yeah. baby grace in real life. And really it's just, yeah. now this isn't for the normal person that. that doesn't care about little house, but if you're a little house fan, you are interested in what baby Grace's real life is. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so really they just hang out with me. We read a chapter of my book. We talk about the faith elements in that chapter and they like see what the heck I'm doing that day. Like, so that's kind of my version of mm -hmm. a podcast just because the live is easy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. So. That's cool. Yeah. I like it. Um, so that whole that whole experience that you went through um, with that scare, not knowing what was going to happen, you know, if as you mentioned, if you were going to wake up, if you did wake up, you know, opening your eyes there, wondering like, okay, am I whole? Am I the same? You know, all that kind of stuff going through your mind. Um, how did that experience, or or what did that experience teach you in terms of? your just your relationship with God and uh you know learning uh ha trusting God through that process and you know I could just uh, I, I don't I don't even I don't even want to say I could imagine because I I know it's it's um it's a I haven't been through anything particularly like that 
But when you have kids in the picture and, you know, you have a family and clearly you're not just thinking about yourself, of course, you know, you want to continue to live and have your life. But, you know, you're probably more so thinking about, you know, your your kids and that whole thing and all that stuff that must be going through your mind. How did you rely on God through that? How did you get through that? What was that whole process like? Yes. Well, you know, it was interesting I, it's hard to actually explain a little bit because when I had, was going through all the symptoms, I was in so much pain. I was so hopeless. Mm. Like it was really like mm. thinking I'm going to have like chronic pain the rest of my life. And I don't know why. Mm. And so when I got the diagnosis, I was so relieved. Wow. Like it, I can't tell you, I was like, Oh, there's a reason I'm not crazy because hmm. when you aren't thinking straight and you're not remembering things and you're like, can't even walk down the sidewalk because you keep falling off the curb for some reason, you start yeah. to feel like you've kind of lost it. <laughs> like yeah. it's like, and that was almost more scary to not know what was wrong and to feel kind okay. of crazy out of control. And so when there was this reason, there's this thing that they actually could go in and take out and it would help. I just felt like this relief and I just felt like, oh, thank you, God. Like, mm. I'm not going crazy. There's something that can happen. And really, my life is in your hands. So I was at so at peace the whole time. Those whole 11 days before surgery, I was at total peace. Now I was ready. If this was it, I was ready. I did yeah. everything. I lived my life to the fullest those 11 days. I'll tell you. I did it you was get amazing. to McDonald's? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. You're so funny. <laughs> Have you had McDonald's? Um, yes, but not very like, much. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. Uh, no, that's good. That's for the best, for sure. Anyway, sorry, I keep interrupting you with yeah. some questions. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I was like, I mean, every doctor's appointment, every everything, I was like just exploding with gratefulness, like that I had another day, you know? It's mm -hmm. just, I don't know. And then it was kind of crazy because I woke up from surgery and... Um, I like was on a high. So I guess when you wake up from brain surgery, you are either like, Ugh. or you were just like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that was me. And <laughs> I was like my nurse, I was telling my nurse like four minutes after I woke up from surgery that I was on little house of the prairie. I mean, like wow. I was crazy. She knew wow. everything about me. And when we finally got to like where the waiting room was, where all my family was, my, um, my stepdad came out and he was like, when, how are you doing? And I was, I stopped and I was like, this is the best day of my life. And everyone was like, everyone was like laughing. And my husband's like, oh no, what happened? <laughs> She's not going to be the same. <laughs> they you unplugged know? something while they were in there. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, obviously I was on like crazy amounts sure. of drugs. So there was a sure. lot of stuff going on, but my, I was so excited and mm that excitement just stayed with me. This like, like felt so free to do anything and everything, you know? And yeah. so God was just like walking with me. Now I won't say that it wasn't hard. There were some really hard, hard days. That first sure. year after surgery was brutal. And I just remember just God, just, just me just saying over and over again, like God is faithful. And I just need to take it one day at a time. Just don't worry about tomorrow. We're just worrying about today. And so one mm. step at a time, one little step, one day further, one month further. And, um, I mean, that's all you can do when you go through hard times, you got to remember that God is in control. He's faithful. He's not going to leave you. And, yeah. and then you just have to take it one foot in front of the other and see what happens, you know? So. Yeah, no, it's beautiful because it can become so overwhelming to think about everything and think about all that's in front of you and all the potentials and all the problems. And, you know, we can get so bogged down by fear, by anxiety, by worry, by the uncertainty and confusion and all the different things. 
And uh, I just I think that's a beautiful thing. And there's something that's really real about, you know, when you go through something painful or something tragic or even something emotional or just, you know, whatever you're going through something that's not a normal part of life. You know, there can be the tendency to kind of harden your heart to an extent or kind of retreat into yourself or to whatever. But when you go through that, I mean, the Bible tells us that God is near to the brokenhearted, you know, mm -hmm. and and he binds up our wounds and like all everything that the Bible says about how, you know, in, in Isaiah, how he gives a beauty for ashes and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and all of the things that God does that 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 when we just choose, like even if we, we you know, we don't have all the answers, we don't you know, we are confused we're whatever we're walking through that thing um, that there's just such a beauty that can come out of it in terms of just learning how to rely and depend more on your heavenly father and to just, you know, whatever it is, just that, that experience of God's closeness and that comfort that, you know, we can experience that for sure, just in daily life, God's closeness and nearness. But I think that there's something, it, it's a different level when you're actually going through something traumatic. And, uh, you know, that's something that I think we have to remember sometimes is like, you know, when we're going through something to remember to keep our eyes on God, because he's always there. He's always faithful. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. And so, you know, coming through that, coming through that season, coming through that experience uh, that you can really learn to see God's goodness and God's faithfulness in a new way and in, in perhaps a more meaningful way, because it wasn't just something that you read about or you heard about in a sermon like oh i know that god is good I, like i know that i know that god's there i know that he's faithful but when you have an opportunity to actually live that out and to experience it in some real kind of way um again like the the circumstance itself is not good <laughs> but the the goodness of god that can become revealed to you in that process is uh, really a, a really beautiful thing and so now uh that's translated into uh, so much more that that now, you know, through you and I'm not saying that this wasn't happening prior to your experience, but but for sure uh, that having come through that, you have a story to tell. You have a testimony and you have a way that your life can be impactful to people maybe on a on a different level than than what was available before. And so one of the things that you mentioned is so now um, we rewound to fast forward and now we, we've caught up. So now this uh, this this book, this devotional um, has come basically birthed out of this experience that you went through, right? Yeah. Yes. And there are tons of like brain surgery stories in there. There's also stories about everything, about when I was a kid, when a teenager, when I, I'm mom stories, you know, there's all different stories. There's stories about different people. There's stories about cast members. So it's just a little tidbit of each yeah. And each chapter is based on a quote from the show. So it is mm -hmm. very much for the little house fan who goes, I remember that episode. And I remember when Carolyn said that, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and then just a little story from my life. So, yeah. That's awesome. What was your process for kind of creating the book for, for writing the book and coming up with the quotes and coming up with the stories and things like that? What was that process like for you? Well, I actually pulled my family together and, um, they each had a role. So my son, who is a, you know, screen aholic, he watched okay. <laughs> every episode with me. And as we were watching, we were stopping, rewinding, fast forwarding to get exact quotes. So we were like, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. Okay. Okay. You know, and I had to get it word for word because there's no little house was such a, well, I don't know how I'd get all the, all of the, um, scripts anyway, but everything was so ad-libbed that I wanted it to be what really, really aired, not what was on mm. paper because most of the time it wasn't what was in the script. And, um, so he did that with me. And then my, um, my husband brainstormed all the stories with me. So I'd be like, okay, here's a quote. What do you think? What story should I do? So he helped me with that. 
And then my daughter, she just wrote me notes all over the place, encouraging me. And then she would read them sometimes because she's my little artistic girl. Okay. And so she was only probably 10 at the time, maybe 10, 11. So she would sometimes oh. read them and give me her first um, impressions. And um, yeah, I had a writing group. They all proofed every single one. And uh, then my agent proved them all. And then, you know, then we did it all over again with the editor. So it went through yeah. many, many rounds of all that. Yeah. Were you free to just to write it as you saw fit? Or was there any kind of like oversight from people related to the show? Like, was there any kind of an issue with, you know, just having the, the rights and the freedom to do what you needed to do with it? Or how did that work? Right. Well, um, Ed Friendly, he was the one of the exec executive producers when it began. His family um, had the rights. So Ed Friendly has since passed away. And so Trip Friendly, his son, um, basically we worked with him to obtain the rights to use the quotes and all the names and all of that. So, and also sure. like the picture on the front is very much a little house. Yeah. So we had to have yeah. permission to use that. So, yep. um, yeah, that's how that all worked. Um, I mean, all the cast members loved it when I wrote a story about them. So that was fine. I mean, I would share it with them and say, are you okay with this? And they were like, well, of course I am, you know? So, but. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I love I love the fact that you were able to involve your family in the process. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's really cool. I mean, obviously, it's it's relatable based on the story. You know, the, the not the story, but well, yeah, originally as a as a as a story from you know the Laura Ingalls Wilder uh, books back in the day, but from from the from the from the TV show and all of the. Uh, the family values and the connection. And it's just really cool. It seems very full circle to me that even in the process of writing this devotional to, you know, pull from these quotes and pull from, you know, things that you you learned from the show or that, that that had impacted your life and things like that, that you did that in process with family and that your family was a part of that. It just seems like such a cool, wholesome, you know, thing, family value kind of a thing. And uh that must have been a, just an interesting experience that I'm that I'm sure um, probably in multiple ways must have um, had some impact on your kid. I was just thinking as you were talking like about your, you know, your daughter who is probably around 10 at the time and, you know, that she's got this kind of creative mind and stuff like that. And to be able to work on a project with mom at that age, kind of uh, being able to utilize her own creativity and stuff like that. Um, you know, who knows, who knows what that's going to lead to, but it just seems like something that could be super impactful, um, for your own kids and for your own family. So that's a, that's a really cool thing. Just kind of being able to involve them in that process. Yeah. And some of the stories are about them. So mm. I had to get their, you know, approval. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to write a story about this. Is that okay? And they're like, Oh, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So. And my yeah, poor husband, like Oh, he just, there's so many stories about him. And so people say, I know Josh so well after reading your book. <laughs> was your, was your husband a fan of the show? Um, the, did he grow up on it or, or no, <laughs> he did not grow up on it. He was a Walton's fan. Well, now I don't feel so bad. He was a Walton's fan and we started dating in college and he started watching little house in college because okay. he was like, I better watch it because otherwise <laughs> I don't have a shot with this girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, just kind of, um, back to, to baby grace and, and being on the show, being on the set itself. Um, do you have like, because I know you were super young at the time. I know for me, like, I don't remember anything from being five years old and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't really, I have maybe a couple of memories that are kind of fuzzy that I could kind of point to. But um, w was that something where you, do you remember that? Do you remember, like, were you aware that you were on a show <laughs> at the time? Maybe just, you know, referring more so to the end, maybe the last season that you were on there. Uh, but uh, was it how aware were you of what was going on and how much how much of it felt like I'm acting and how much of it was just kind of 
them positioning you in different places and kind of having the show around you? I don't know if that makes sense the way I'm asking that question, but how aware were you of, you know, the fact that you were on the set of a show at the time? Yeah, we were very aware of the last season. And when there's two of you and you're, you know, essentially fighting over who gets to do what, I okay. remember arguments of that. I mean, there was wow. the Christmas episode and I wanted to lick that candy cane, you know, and I got to pretend I was sleeping instead. And there was there was some real bitterness around Tension. that. <laughs> Tension. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, obviously we don't remember everything, but I mean, I can still close my eyes and remember waking up at it felt like 4:30 in the morning with our blankets and sleeping in the car and then walking into the set to this huge table full of pink donut boxes and for a 4-year-old that is probably the sweetest sight you could ever see yeah yeah <laughs> so there are things like that when the show is over um well, we were done in season eight, but then they had kind of that extra season, um, season nine, which was a new beginning. It really was the story of Laura and Almanzo and the rest of the family moves okay. away. And so season nine happens and the show isn't technically over. So after that season, when they actually stop it, that's when all of the crazy NBC cast parties happen. And it's kind of like the end and we really remember. I'm going to keep talking. Is that okay? There's there's two of you. Hang on one second. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. <laughs> That's okay. That's interesting. But um, I remember like getting picked up in a limo for the first time ever and walking up the stage oh, cool. with all these lights and the party afterwards, dancing with Mr. Edwards, with Victor French. And, you know, like, so there's things like that we totally remember. Um, but, but your question really is, is true, is that they really positioned baby Grace in the middle of a scene and they let baby Grace be baby Grace. Um, mm -hmm. There was a time when my, my mom was really anxious because she didn't feel like we were doing what Michael wanted her, wanted us to do, if that makes sense. Okay. And mm -hmm. my mom was like, I'm sorry, you know, and, and Michael said, I don't know who baby Grace is. And you don't know who baby Grace is. Let's just let her figure it out. Like they're going to figure out this character. Like they are baby Grace. So let them do whatever they're going to do. And, and there are times when they completely, um, just go with the flow at the dinner table. There's a scene where baby Grace has this bowl, Ma's holding it and there's two spoons in the bowl and she's eating with both spoons and they don't stop the shot. They actually just turn it into this moment. And, and Mike says, how many spoons do you need to eat Grace? Like, you know, and the whole family is laughing and it's this just natural thing around the table, mm, you know, and sometimes yeah. baby Grace will talk and sometimes she won't. There is a time when, when Mike says, who wants to say grace? And all of a sudden uh -huh. baby Grace says, baby Grace. And that is not planned. We wow. we're not supposed to say anything and everyone laughs and smiles. And then Ma says, I'll say grace. You know what I mean? And so there were just, yeah. they, wanted those moments, those natural moments that a normal kid would do, because you really can't tell a three-year-old what to do and it go very well. Yeah. It's actually better if it just, you just get caught in the moment. So that was their, yeah, get, their play. Get Getting a three-year-old to like memorize lines and stuff. Like I'm just thinking <laughs> that must be pretty near impossible. Yeah. Um, we didn't have yeah. any lines whatsoever. Mm, that's awesome. Has your sister um, stayed as connected to the show as you have? Well, um, the last probably three or four years, she has handed it off to me. She is okay. very busy. We did all of the events together for probably 10 or 11 years. And then it was just she moved to Wyoming. We're really far away from each other. Um, she has got her hands full with all sorts of things. And so she, when the book came out, she said, you know what, Wendy, 
just run with this. This is totally perfect for you. And I release baby grace to you kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and so that doesn't mean she wouldn't ever come to another event, but since then she hasn't, she's kind of just taken a step back, which is very interesting because. I don't know if you know anything about twins, but there's usually always a dominant twin and I'm not the dominant twin. And so I've kind okay. of been following my sister my whole life. And okay. once this whole brain she, tumor thing happened, before you? what's that? <laughs> did she come out before you? Or yes, did you come out she first? did. She did. Yes, Do you think there's did. something she to did that? Everything or is before it me. just a coincidence? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, so this is kind of her way of saying, no, yeah. you take the lead on this. And so it's been, it's been really a gift because it's Love hard it. to be half of a person, like half of a character. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Well, I uh yeah, and I think I interrupted you. Um, you you were about to say something, but but if I could ask you, um, just in terms of being a twin, what's something that you can look at as far as being a twin and say, this is awesome. And uh, something else about being a twin that's maybe, I don't want to say negative, but that's been challenging about being a twin. Yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> being a twin is the most amazing thing ever. I never had to be alone ever. I never had to go to my first day of school alone. I never had to walk into a you always have someone with you. They always have your back. It's yeah. incredible. When my kids were having a hard time, like we moved to a new town and they were starting school the first day. And I thought I never had to do that except for when I was 18 and I went away to college. That's the first time in my life that I didn't feel like I had someone with me, you know? Mm, so that is incredible. And we obviously have a very tight bond and we understand each other like, no one else. We say the same things. Um, sometimes we will say the exact same words at the same moment and we'll look at each other like, okay, that's really freaky, you know? <laughs> so that's the best thing about being a twin. So cool. But um, the challenge is there is obviously you are constantly comparing yourself. And I lived with that my whole life and trying to like measure up to my sister. And you know, there were ways that she was maybe trying to measure up to me too, but it always felt that I was kind of the one that was not able to yeah. like be as good at sports or be as good at yeah. school or she, you know, married her high school sweetheart. I mean, she just, she did all the things in the right order at the right time. And you know, valedictorian and MVP of every team she played on. And I was just always like, I can't compete. I don't even know how mm. to like do that, you know? And so, yeah, um, that is a challenge. It's very, very much a challenge. And I tell, um, parents, moms that have twins is just to like celebrate their individual strengths, find their mm. individual strengths and celebrate those because that twin that doesn't feel like they have any strengths needs to know what their strengths are. And now I can see my strengths and they are the same strengths that I've had since I was little, but I didn't really have someone to say, yeah, Brenda does that, but you do this. You know what I mean? Mm, so yeah. it can be a challenge, but it's incredible yeah. at the same time. Yeah. I, I was just thinking, is there, did you guys kind of grow up with a dynamic of like, I don't know where they kind of looked at you, of course, on the show, you were playing one person, but did that kind of, did that kind of dynamic uh, filter over into your childhood at all, where you were, you guys were just kind of lumped up into, into <laughs> what, what's your sister's name? Brenda, you said, Brenda, like, mm -hmm. like, like Wendy and Brenda, like it's Wendy and Brenda, or, you know, was, was that part of it? Um, that was, that was challenging as far as just kind of developing, I guess, as you said, that individuality and, uh, kind of being seen by yourself as your own person. And like, I don't need Brent as much as I love my sister, like as much as we love each other, we love being together. Um, you know, we don't need each other to be a whole person and to thrive and to, was that, is that something that is a, is a struggle when you're a kid as a, as a twin? Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yes. And I would say that most twins will say that, um, people would just go, Oh, one of you twins, or sometimes they would call us Wenda and Brendy. And oh, 
I mean, it was hard. It was super hard. Like, yeah. oh, I don't yeah. remember which one you mm. are. You know what I mean? And so it was hard to find your identity and to um, not feel like you were always kind of one part of a whole. Um, mm. It's it's a challenge. And I think it's a challenge for any twin. I think every twin that I've talked to has said, yeah, super hard and challenging and and I love it, but sometimes I hate it, you know, because <laughs> I just want to be me and I just want it to be okay and not to walk into a, you know, a grocery store and have four people call me Brenda. And it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> nope, yeah. I'm not Brenda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine that question. Wait, which one are you? I can oh. imagine that would get old so fast. Yes. Like by the time you turn four or five or whatever, <laughs> like mm -hmm. I imagine that just... It's all like I'm done. I'm over this already. Like you got to start wearing a name tag or something like that. Like right. I don't know. It's just I, I just imagine that that just gets. Yeah. Just want to punch someone in the face. <laughs> I don't know if there's a better. Way, I don't know. I don't know if there's a better way to ask that question or, or not. But I mean, it's not their fault. They want to know yeah. which one you are so that they can interact with you like you are who you are. But it just comes off really, you know. Yeah. Like. No, like, so, you know, when your best friend doesn't even know which one you are, it's like, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but the good outweighs the bad, right? Yes, Would you say that? it does. It does. Amen. Uh, well, Wendy, I appreciate you so much. Thanks for doing this. This was fun. I, I enjoyed getting to know you and hearing your story. Uh, and uh, it's awesome, again, that, that you got to be a part of something that was so iconic in its time and that all these years later has just really stood the test of time and uh, that there is still such a following today and and people that are still interested in that sort of uh, this story that that revolves around this simpler time and family values. And it's super cool how you've incorporated that into your own life. And uh, I'm just I'm excited about this book and um, and everything. And uh, actually, bef before we before we um, wrap it up, I'll ask you to share a little bit uh, just just on um, pointing people in the direction of where they could go to find the book and anything else that you might want to point people to. Uh, but last thing I'll ask you here is um, what would you say is your overall heart behind this this book, this devotional and uh, the, the impact that um, you hope that it's has had and continues to have on people that read it? Well, the book is really about the joys and sorrows of life. And my life has been full of them, just like the Ingalls family. And so my hope is that we would just walk, learn how to walk with God, that he just comes with us through those joys and trials, all the joys, all the sorrows. Um, so that's really my hope is that people don't feel alone and they can relate to these stories and they can relate to the episodes, but they can also relate to just a normal person in our society and um, know that God is always near. So that's my heart. Um, my book is, it's wherever books are sold, but I will say there are not very many left. And I think most places okay. are sold out, but I do have a prairie shop on etsy um and it's basically everything that i would bring to an event so if you really do want a copy you can try to get them from you know barnes and noble amazon christian book distributors all those sure. places but um, most are going to tell you that they are out of stock we are okay. working hard right now on a second printing um but you know how paper is these days and big publishers and paper. So um, we will see what happens, but I have okay. probably more stock than anybody. <laughs> so that is kind of um, that deal with their Etsy, going to Etsy, put in a Prairie Devotional, Wendy Luli, whatever, you'll, you'll find me. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's it. Um, I yeah. also hang out on Facebook every Tuesday morning. That's my live video. My page is called Wendy Luli as Baby Grace. And okay. you can hang out if you're a Little House fan. <laughs> Other yeah. than that. Yeah, check it out. Uh, I would just say if you can't 
find a paper copy of the book um i would assume that the kindle version would still be available that's that's how i got it yes <laughs> uh, i i did the kindle version um i prefer i prefer books in 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 print as well uh, i just wanted to get it quickly so i <laughs> so i did the kindle version mm -hmm. but um but but yeah and uh oh is there um is there an audio version of the book there is well? there cool. is an audio but i will preface it with it is not me it's not my okay. voice so and a lot okay. of fans that know me don't necessarily like it because it's not my voice so okay <laughs> it would have been funny if you had like a, a child like a like a four-year-old read it and pretend they were actually baby grace <laughs> <laughs> probably wouldn't that would probably have taken seven years to get it done though yeah <laughs> um, yeah no but uh but again wendy i appreciate you thanks so much for sharing uh sharing your heart and uh and your story and your testimony and all of that um it's been fun so super appreciate it and uh yeah. Thank you, everybody, for taking the time to check out this episode, this conversation. And um, let's see, do I need to tell you anything? I Next week for episodes might be a little bit weird um, because my wife is about to have a baby, so I'm not sure what's going to happen <laughs> as far as me being live on, on episodes and stuff like that. But we'll, we'll figure something out. Uh, if this episode blessed you, challenged you, encouraged you, if you consider subscribing, sharing, or leaving a review, I would uh, super appreciate it. So thank you guys. Wendy, thanks again. Thank you. Bye, everybody.